preaching today, I got saved. So there's power in an Old Testament text. Because there's a principle in the New Testament that's tied right into it. 1 Kings chapter 18, we're going to start reading in verse number 17. And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Here he is pointing his finger. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and hast followed Baal. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the priests of the grove, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Now notice who's influencing at her table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets. And this is not prophets of God. This is prophets of Baal. Where are they at? They're scattered among the people to gather unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of God, of the Lord. But Balaam, or Baal, prophets are 450 men. That's a look at the ratio. 450 to 1. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on wood, put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock and lay it on a wood and put no fire under, and call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God that answers, answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first. For ye may call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock, and when they had, was, that was given, which was given unto them, and they dressed it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice nor any that answered. And they leaped on the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. 
and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or pre-adventure, he sleepeth, and must be awakened. And they cried aloud, and cut themselves after the manner with knives and with lances, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, and great, as great as contained two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and he cut the bullock in pieces, and laid it upon the wood, and he said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. Then he said, and they said, the second time? And he said, do it the third time. And they did the third time. And the water ran round about the altar and filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done these things at thy word. Catch that, at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, Hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and it consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they take them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Pray with me. Father, I ask that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. 
the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we would know what's the hope of your calling and what's the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what's the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in heavenly places. And I ask that you grant us according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, so that we'd be filled with all the fullness of God. Holy Spirit, I asked you for divine utterance this morning. I ask that you would help me to communicate the heart of the Father to us, your people. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want you to notice what was getting ready to come down. Because when God does something, he doesn't, in a, he doesn't do it in a corner. He does it where it's out, where everybody can see it. Because God's things are manifest. He's not sneaky. He's not conniving. If you want to find that spirit, you look, you look to the devil's crowd. When he came into the garden, he snuck in. He deceived Eve. God doesn't want people deceived this day and hour. Although there's a lot of deception that takes place. That it, and that is taking place this day and hour. But I can promise you it is not the will of God. Because he wants his things to be seen. Now one of the things that bothers me. Is that things that can be so blatant and obvious. As the nose on your face. And still people can't see it. Now that's a spirit of deception. And. If we're going to answer our questions about life, we're going to have to answer them by what thus saith the Lord or what is written down in the Word. Because you can talk to ten different people, and I've started doing something. I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing. But I had to look, I looked on YouTube to find out how to do it. And it's like going to the store and wanting a cookie. If they don't have but one cookie, it's easy to make a decision. If they've got 10 cookies, you're sitting there scratching your head and say, which one of these cookies do I think would be the best? That's right. Brothers and sisters, when it comes to opinions in this world and for us today, we do a lot the same way. Well, I don't see nothing wrong with it. You know what? There's a higher standard. I might not see something wrong with it. But if the God, the God of the Bible and the Bible says that there's something wrong with it, then I need to mark it down. There's something wrong with it. I don't need to justify my thoughts and exalt my thoughts above what the Bible says. This is the state or the stage, the platform that the children of Israel are in during this story right here. Something had transpired over a period of time. This wasn't something that had just started. But it was something that had been taking place for years and years. And what happens is a desensitizing. And we say, 
We do just like the children of Israel. I don't really see anything wrong with that. It's up to them whatever they do. It's okay. But if the Bible says that something is wrong with it, you can put a check. You might not understand it. But you can put a check beside it. There's something wrong with it. Now, there's something that we need to know about God. He wants people liberated and he wants people free. Mm -hmm. But the people were free, they thought, to worship as they wanted to. But they didn't know how much bondage they were getting themselves in. Because a lot of times we don't know just when we start something what the end result of it will be. There's a lot of things that your parents would have told you. Don't do this. And we listen to what they say. But sometimes we flirt with some of those things. That your parents say, I don't want, if you're a boy or a girl, I don't want you going off with the crowd. And I don't want you drinking this weekend. But one of the highlights it seems for a lot of teenagers is to slip out, be around everybody, and maybe I listen to what mom and daddy say, but ain't nothing wrong with a drink. And then a little later on, they find out that they're an alcoholic and wonder how it all started. Now, brothers and sisters, this is not a point of finger at nobody because we've all missed it in different areas in our life. But if we would have listened, we could have saved ourselves a lot of grief. Is that true? It's true. This was the way that it was for the children of Israel with where they had at. And a lot of times, we, we look back in retrospect and say, when I took that first drink, I never thought it would take me this far. But there's something about sin. You don't never know where it's going to take you. I was talking to somebody that had, had drank real bad one time. And God had delivered them from it. And then they had some terrific things that had happened in their life. And to ease their pain, they started drinking again. And I, I told them, I said, you need to throw yourself on the mercy of God. I said, you have just stepped into a river. And you have no clue how far that river will take you. And where there might be a limb or a rock that you can grab a hold of. Or if you will go over the waterfalls. You don't know where that will take you. And you can say, well, that's just talking about alcohol. No, it's talking about everything. Everything that God says something about. There's something, even if we don't understand all about the picture. If he says, don't. It's good advice for us to don't. Amen? Because you don't never know. Said When I did that, I did not never know that it would take me this far. 
in the back seat of a car. Everybody else is having sex. Ain't nothing wrong with having sex. Just don't get pregnant. There's something wrong with that picture. God said, don't. Not that he's against sex, but he wants it in the confines that he placed it in. In the marriage unit. That's where the blessing takes place. And there's a reason for it. Not only for pleasure, but for the procreation of life. Because we're made in the likeness and the image of God. And anything else, and a lot of times it say, well, I didn't think it would work out like this. I didn't know that this much heartache would be attached to this. We don't ever know what's on the other side of something until we're on the other side of something. But I can tell you this, there's a lot of grief that God can save us from if we will listen. We've all missed it. Thank God we serve a merciful God. The children of Israel were getting ready to see the picture of a merciful God. But a merciful God was one who was getting ready to, to make a stand. There was something that had happened. And if we don't catch this, we miss a lot of the story. There had been a famine. For three and a half years, water had not fallen from the sky on this land in three and a half years. A few years ago, we had just a few months where it didn't rain, and I thought everything would blow away. It was just so dry, everything was a power. Can you imagine three and a half years? That's not the longest drought. There was a time that it was seven years that was also recorded that we have in Scripture. Mm -hmm. Was that God's will? Was that God's desire? Absolutely not. He wanted to see him rain. He calls his man and he says, Go find Ahab and talk to the children of Israel because I want it to rain. I want rain. A lack of rain is a curse. The right amount of rain is a blessing. So, God has to set things in motion for things to take and come to pass. You say, well, what's all of that got to do with this particular story? I think it's got everything to do with this story. I want you to see what they did, what they were commanded or told to do. You've got a group over here that's got one opinion. You've got a, another man over here that's got another opinion. And the children of Israel is caught in the middle and say, I don't know what to do. Do I go with Elijah or do I go with Balaam? So, he says, let's settle this thing. Now, catch this. All of this came by the word of the Lord. This was not Elijah's good idea. This was a God idea. And he told them what to do. He said, you take two bullocks, two bull animals, and you take and put them on the altar. This group is going to be responsible for building an altar or a platform for that, for that animal to be sacrificed on. 
It was no different for this one over on this side. For the man of God. Build an altar. Put wood on it. Put the sacrifice on it. Build the altar. Put the wood on it. Put the sacrifice on it. But here's the kicker. You call on your God. I'm going to call on my God. And the one that answers by fire is the one that you listen to. Right out in the open. There's nothing done in the corner. He said, don't gather just part of the children of Israel. Gather all of the children of Israel. Because all of the children of Israel were in a, in a dilemma. They were in this place that they were halt between two opinions. Now let me ask you this. Have you ever been halt between two opinions? I wanted to go this way, but there was something in me that wanted to go this way. And when that end, when that is, you're in the same place. I'm in the same place. We're in the same place that the children of Israel were at. And it's a stinking place. It's a place of no victory. It's a place of dryness that's always associated with that. God, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? And he says, won't you get out of that dry place? For I can do something. Let me do something. I want to do something. The mercy of God is here to do something. But I'm caught in between two. I'm torn between two. Things have to be divided and things have to be put to rest. God says, today you're going to make your decision. You're not going to make your decision tomorrow. You're going to make your decision today. Well, you know, there's times with God that he says enough is enough. And mercy comes. And when... When mercy comes, if we take the door, there's an exit. And if we don't take the door, we're still on that same course. Just like that boy I was telling, them, telling you about that had started drinking again. I said, it's like you're falling into a river. I said, you throw yourself on the mercy of God because you do not know how far that river will take you and how much it will beat you in that process. And it will be the mercy of God if you get out of it. Here they are. And isn't it ironic that God gives through Elijah this other group of 450 first chance. You all boys go first. So they put their, they built their altar. They put their wood on it. They put their animal on it. And then they start going through all of their rituals like they normally do. But nothing was happening. They come to the point that they started cutting themselves. Believe me. Isn't it kind of ironic that we live in a day and hour when cutting is something that's predominant? 
I'd never heard of something like this when I was in school. But it's not a strange thing now. But do you want me to tell you something? It didn't just start. It was already started way back then. But look what it was associated with. They started cutting themselves because they weren't getting the answers that they wanted. They weren't getting the fire that they needed. The man of God looks over at them. They're hot. They're tired. They're bleeding. And he starts to mock them. What somebody, how, do, how do you respond when somebody starts poking fun of you when you're hot and tired and irritated? Not only that, but bleeding. Think about it. It don't bring out the best in you. It makes you want to dig your heels in. I'm going to show you that you're wrong. More. More bleeding. Nothing happens. Their time to do something, nothing was achieved. The man of God has an altar. I want you to notice this. I want you to notice this and put this, have this mindset. This altar is a platform on which something is sacrificed. Your decisions, my decisions, are platforms on which things are sacrificed. What am I sacrificing on that platform? What am I sacrificing on that altar? And if you want to know the biggest key in your life and in my life to success in this earth walk, it will be sacrificing ourselves to God. Or, let me say it a different way so I don't get twisted. That we give ourselves to God on the altar. And he doesn't want a dead sacrifice. He wants a living sacrifice. He wants somebody that stands up for truth and right. And stands up for him. And has got a backbone. And not agreed with everything else that's going on. But agrees with what thus saith the Lord. That's what God is looking for. And as long as we're not, we're caught between two opinions. Because we're Mr. Good Christian today. But I'm Mr. Worldly Man tomorrow. You know what that one is? Stinking. That's a stinking sacrifice. Because God wants to be all. Do I want all from God? Do I want God's best? No. Absolutely. If I want God's best for in a covenant relationship, there's something that he wants from me in return. I'll give you a few minutes. I don't want a few minutes. I want you. I want you. I don't want just a piece of you. I want all of you. I want you. God cares for us lovingly, passionately. He longs for us. And here, Elijah does something. The altar of the Lord has been broken down. There's not been sacrifice on it the way that it needed to be in a long time. So the Bible says that he repairs the broken down altar. He takes 
and he puts the wood on it. He puts the animal on it. And then he takes 12 stones that represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And he forms an altar there. But he doesn't stop there. He digs a trench around the altar. Now this is challenging here. He takes four barrels of water and pours it on the sacrifice. And then he says, do it again. Takes four more barrels of water and dumps it on the sacrifice. And he says, do it again. Three times. How many barrels is that? Three times four equals? Twelve. Come on. Twelve. I didn't see this till just then. What's the twelve represent? Twelve, twelve tribes. tribes of Israel. This was the mercy reaching out to the twelve tribes. But and I want you to see something that a lot of times, I didn't see this for a long time. What did he offer on that sacrifice beside the bull? He offered water. This water was part of the sacrifice. What were they in? They were in a drought. They needed water. If there's anything that you need when you're in a dry place, it's the water from God. Yes. That the heavens open up and the rains come down. So now, he says, dump this water on. Do it again. Dump this water on. Do it again. Dump this water on. There was so much water on it that it filled up the trench that was dug around it. Filled it up. You ever seen ground that was dry, how it does with water? A lot of times it hadn't been so long that it had just sat right on top. You don't even, you don't even really know what to do to how to get in. It's got to sit there long enough that it can kind of start pulling it together so the ground will start drinking it in. And here, he was. He does something then. He gets down before God. And he cries out. God, I know you're God. These people need to know that you are God. Show yourself to them today. Now, notice this. This was never Elijah's ideal. He did all of these things at the word of the Lord. This was God's idea. And he says, enough is enough. And today, you're going to make a decision. And if God is God, follow him. And if Baal is God, follow him. See, God's not intimidated by our waveringness toward him or away from him. He is not intimidated in the least. But it behooves us, it's to our benefit to follow him. And when he cried out to the Lord, and the fire was the mercy of God. Did you know that God was a consuming fire? And this consuming fire, what does he do? Now, let me ask you this. Anybody in here ever build a fire? Everybody know what a fire is? 
Have you ever tried to build a fire with wet wood? You can't do it. You can get it hot enough that it'll burn the wet wood, but I'm going to tell you one thing. It is a hard thing to build a fire with wet wood. I was on a project one time, and we had to take a stick and a string and make fire. There was something that I learned that day about sticks and strings and fire. Any stick won't do. The string will work fine. You've got to have the right stick down at the bottom. You've got to have the right stick standing up. And then you've got to have the right tender to receive that spark once you make one. If you don't, you can sit there and you can go through the motions. You ever seen it on television and stuff where they do it, where they make a fire with a, with a stick and string? And so you can sit there and you can saw all day long. And that's all that you will do is saw all day long. But you get the right components there. And it doesn't take very long to be able to make a fire with that. Man, we saw, and we saw, and our chicken breast that we had wrapped up in that piece of uh, tin foil that we were going to cook on that fire, we would have starved to death if we were waiting for, it to, for, that, for us to make the fire. Thank God they had mercy on us. God has mercy on us. Now, here they were, and Elijah gets down. And he cries out to God. And God sends fire down from heaven. And it does something. It consumes the sacrifice that's on it. It consumes the wood. It consumes the altar. It consumes the stones. And it drinks up all of the water that's on it and in the trench. God is a consuming fire. Now, am I so scared of him that I will place myself on the altar before him? That I will allow these other things to come in because I think they're safe. Because there seems to be safety in numbers. I want you to have a thought in your heart and in your mind. You and God are a majority. Anytime that God is on your side, I don't care if there's 450 against you, you are a majority. You may look like the minority. You may feel like the minority. But God is bigger than all of them put together. Now, I'd rather be in the corner with God on my side than in the world with everybody else on their side, even if the world was full. Platforms, altars, brothers and sisters, there's things through this election time that are going to be offered up. What does the platform that they're standing on the party? Now, I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about the party. What's it standing on? If it's standing for the things of God, go for it. I don't care what, I don't, I don't care who it is. 
But if they're not standing for the things of God, you need to run from it just as hard as you can. Because I don't care what face you put on it. It ain't right. And the blessing of God is on what's right. All of Israel were following after Baal. The man of God thought he was the only one that was there left. Now that's quite a majority. That's quite a ratio when you start doing the math. But he was not intimidated to stand up for God and God's not intimidated to stand up for you. But don't be hawk between two opinions. Stand up for God. And I find a lot of times that we think that we're voting because of a personality. No, we're not voting for a personality. We're voting for a platform. Now, there's been a lot of times I would have never said anything in church about this. There's a lot of times the church has never said things about this. And this is not the reason why, but it is the reason why in a lot of circles. There was a time when there was something that was called the Johnson Amendment. In the Johnson Amendment, President Johnson at the time said, I'll shut the church up because the church has always had a voice. I'll shut the church up. I'll take their tax status away from them if they stand up for what I'm not standing for. The church needs to stand up for the truth. I don't care who's standing for it. But through the Johnson Amendment, the church shut their mouth because they said, you, we've got to separate church and state. Church don't have no place in politics. How much we do not know about our history. We're just about as ignorant as the children of Israel were when it comes to Baal worship. Mm -hmm. With knowing where and what some of our roots were at. All of our founding fathers, the biggest part of them, were people that were trained in the clergy. Our nation was built on principles of serving God. And we've lived in a time now when we've said, you can't even pray in some of these meetings. But I thank God. We've had a change in that, that there's prayer that's been taking place in the White House. Yes, amen. There's been prayer that's been taking place. Yes. Oh, we can pray, just let's not pray in that name of Jesus. <coughs> let's pray in Allah's name. Let's pray to him. If God be God, serve him. If Allah be God, serve him. But I can tell you, Allah is not God. Amen. Jesus is the way to the Father. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, sir, can come to the Father but by me. Now, I want you to think about something. I never thought I would see this day. I never thought that I would see this day. That... Things could be stretched so much out of proportion that on one of these platforms, 
you could have a baby lion that had been born full term. Now, mothers in here, how glad were you when you saw that baby come out? And how much, what, what, did, it, what did it do for you? There was something about it that words, I mean, words can't express it. And now to be to the point that you say, well, I don't want that baby, kill that baby, and take a pair of snips and cut that baby's spinal cord and kill that baby when it's full term, there's something wrong with that picture. It didn't start there. But that's where it has evolved to. What platform are you standing on? Because you are, I am, standing on a platform. Is my, is my platform promoting this or is my platform promoting the things of God? That's just one. There's multitudes other that are on this altar, that are on this platform. We've got a voice. The church has a voice. And the church needs to use its voice. You say, well, church don't need to be in politics. Brothers and sisters, you can't separate yourself from things that are a part of you and you're a part of them. But you can take a stand. Yes. You can take a stand. What am I telling you? Vote. Vote your conscience. But know what your platform is standing for. Right. Don't be so many that's just like Hollywood. This person looks good, so I'm going to vote for them. Let me tell you something. I've noticed this from my, in my, my own eyes. I was working on a boat one time. We were up in Colchester. And I looked down the, down the pier just a little bit, and there's this very attractive woman that's standing there. And I said, she looks nice. You know when somebody's built good, when they look good? And she opened her mouth, and ugly came out. And I don't care how, how pretty somebody is on the outside. When ugly comes out of their mouth, it makes ugly ugly. Makes the beauty even ugly. But, but we're trained in a time that we look at these here personalities and we say, that person's got to be nice because they look good. God doesn't look on the outside. He looks at the heart. Aren't you glad? I'm glad he looks at the heart. Do we even know what the different parties stand for? Or do we just know what the media tells us? Because I can promise you this. If you just know what the media tells you, you don't know nothing. Because they know, you know what they want you to hear. And that's all. What they want you to hear. Now, you can dig. And you can look. Did you know that Facebook even censors some of the things 
My little preacher here. <laughs> my little preacher. She'd tell me, I'm in jail. I'm in jail. I say, what do you mean you're in jail? Facebook has done it. Shut me down. Because I said something they didn't like. Speak the truth. Believe the truth. I don't care if it, if it muzzles everybody else. Speak the truth. Believe the truth. Live for the truth. Let God be God. Isn't it? And history don't tell you this. But some, I think it was during the revolution. They would have preachers that were under their black robes while they were preaching. When they finished their sermon, they pulled their black robes off and they had their standing gear, they had their fighting gear on because they were outstanding against British tyranny. Mm -hmm. And there's things, brothers and sisters, that wants to tantalize us. But I believe we are people that have a backbone. I believe that God needs to be in the school. I believe that God needs to be in the courthouse. Oh, he has no place. There's a separation between church and state. Well, I tell you what, they did it. Lee and I remember one teacher we had that read a Bible story. One teacher, Miss Parker, she had a little Bible story book and she would read a Bible story every day. I've always took my hat off her. I didn't always understand it, but I've always taken my hat off to her. But we live in a time now wherein it's taboo to even say the uh, pledge allegiance to the flag. Can you see how much we've moved in just a few years? Brothers and sisters, that's as much difference as day and night between the two parties and what they stand for. I'm going to be like Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. What am I basing my beliefs on? On what God said. Amen. Now, there's a whole lot more to this story than just that. Am I, what am I saying to you? Vote. It's your seed. Plant it. Think about who you're voting for. If you've already voted, think about the platform and allow yourself to be teachable. No matter what platform you voted for. But seek the face of God. See, the fire came down, but that wasn't the whole answer that God wanted to give to the people. Come back tonight. Come back. Would be like Paul Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> you say, well, who's Paul Harvey? The rest of the story. If you don't know who Paul Harvey is, you can Google it. Yes. We were in here one Wednesday night, and I said something about EFO. 
We got part of our people young enough that didn't even know who Edith Hutton was. Well, if you don't know, you don't know. You can't help when you were born. You can't help the era of time that you were born. E.F. Hutton was an investment company. And on the commercials that they had, they would say, when E.F. Hutton and everybody would start listening, he said, the fields were slow. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. You remember? They had all different kind of, they had two men out in the water. And they were talking and they said something about E.F. Hutton. When they said E.F. Hutton, heads popped up out of the water everywhere. It was quite a, quite a uh, catchy commercial. Will we listen to God that same way that we would listen to an investment? There's a lot more at stake. If God be for us, who can be against us? Stand with me. Sandy's got an announcement before we pray. November the 14th, 6 o'clock, there's going to be a movie. Bring um, Bob Butler and uh, Finger Food. Finger Food. So everybody come. Expecting a, a good meal and a good meal.